أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك لعبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our Tafsir program page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page 34 and that is in the second juz of the Quran Surah Al-Baqarah in the previous uh, page or in the previous episode rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we concluded uh, with verses that spoke about how Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that the path towards him the path that leads ultimately to jannah is a path that is full of tests and trials and challenges and that is the nature of this world that this world is the abode of challenge and trial and test and so for the believer they don't think that just because they have iman that it automatically means that they will never be tested there will be no hardship there will be no difficulty rather it is the opposite that as a strength of iman or a sign of the strength of iman is that they will be tested and that they will be challenged and that through Allah Azza wa Jal's help and his support subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person is over, able to overcome those challenges and tests. And from those challenges and tests, therefore, is to do what is pleasing to Allah Azza wa Jal, even if it is difficult for the soul to accept, even if it is difficult for you to accept, because it means giving away some of that which you have worked for and that which you love. And that is what Allah Azza wa Jal, in the last verse that we mentioned in the previous episode, spoke about the importance of spending in the way of Allah Azza wa Jal and giving in charity giving and supporting those people who have a right over you and to the needy and to those people who are destitute. That is difficult to do because sometimes iman means doing those things that your soul finds it difficult to accept until you train your soul and you train yourself to love that which is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that takes time takes off discipline and it takes a great deal of effort and fighting against the temptations of shaitan and his whisperings. It is difficult, for example, to give your heart and money away. For example, someone who doesn't have a great deal to start with, who themselves are maybe in difficulty, themselves maybe are in hardship, they don't have a great deal of wealth, and they have expenses, and they have children, and they have a family to provide for, for that person now to take some of that money, some of the extra which they have, and to give it in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not an easy thing to do, not an easy thing to accept. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises those people who are able to do so. And that is why we have examples from amongst the companions of the Prophet wasallam that they would give away their wealth. Some of them, all of it, like Abu Bakr radiallahu an, and others half of it, like Umar radiallahu an, and others a great deal and amount of it, such as Uthman radiallahu anhu ardah, and others who didn't have much to give, gave whatever they could. To the extent that it is said that some of the companions, when the Prophet wasallam would ask for sadaqah, they would go and work that day and whatever they earned, whatever little it was, and sometimes it was only a handful of dates or raisins that they would receive as payment, they would go and they would give that to the Prophet wasallam, and they would say, O oh, Messenger of Allah, this is all that we can afford. This is all that we have and take it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is those people who are willing to sacrifice for the sake of Allah azza wa jal. The point here being that sometimes what you have to do is difficult for you to accept. Sometimes what is good you dislike to do. And the opposite is also true. 
that sometimes what you love to do is actually bad for you. So Allah Azza wa tells you to stay away from certain things even though your soul, your heart pulls towards it. You are tempted by it. But Allah Azza wa says stay away from it. And it is fighting, that fighting of the nafs, that striving and struggling against yourself, your soul, the temptations that you are that you are inclined towards, that is something which Allah Azza wa loves and something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala greatly rewards. And that is why Allah Azza wa begins, or we begin this particular page 200 uh, with verse 216, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the context of fighting. Allah Azza wa says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم كتب عليكم القتال وهو كره لكم Fighting is ordained for you though you dislike it. No one wants to fight. No one wants to put their lives at risk. It's not something which people necessarily enjoy doing. And especially when those people that you are fighting, such as in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, most likely with the Quraysh, are your own family members, your kith, your kin, your blood, your brother, your father, your uncle, your nephew. These are people who are your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. And now you're fighting against them. You're seeing them on the opposite side of the battlefield. It's not something which is something which is pleasant or something which people would enjoy. Allah says that Allah has told you to fight them because of the oppression that they committed and the transgression that they did against you, even though it is something which you dislike. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gives us the principle that I was just mentioning at the beginning of today's episode. Allah says you may dislike something, although it is good for you. Or you like something, although it is bad for you. For indeed Allah knows and you do not know. And that is where the iman of the believer comes in. That Allah knows and I don't know. That Allah is all-knowing and all-wise. And therefore what Allah decrees for me and what Allah Azza wa Jal commands me to do is ultimately in my best interests, even if I find it difficult. Even if it's something which I dislike or my, my heart or my soul pushes against it. And that is the level of iman that a person has. And that is why for each and every person, they are tried in this way. There are certain rulings of Islam or certain aspects of Islam that everyone finds maybe slightly difficult to accept for one reason or another. It may be the issue of polygamy. It may be the issue of inheritance. It may be certain rules and rulings that Allah has legislated that you as an individual, for whatever reason, you find it difficult to accept or it's not something which you would necessarily willingly like to do or be engaged in. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these are his laws. You may dislike it, but there is good in it because Allah is more knowledgeable and more wise than you are. And those things that you like and you covet and you want, and Allah tells you to stay away from it, again, there is evil and bad in it because Allah knows and you do not know. So I may not necessarily have to do some of those things that Allah has made halal, but it is part of my religion to believe that they are halal. I don't necessarily have to, for example, engage in polygamy or whatever. It's maybe not my, 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 my personal preference. But I don't go and reject that as a, as a principle of Islam or as a ruling of the Sharia. There is a difference between the two and it is important to understand how to deal with the Sharia and the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa then continues and he says subhanahu wa ta'ala in the following verse 217. They ask your messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about fighting in the prohibited months. The prohibited months are the months that Allah Azza wa calls the Ashrul Hurum. The, the, the prohibited months, the fourth sacred months of the year. Say to them, fighting in that month is a great offense. 
It is said that the reason for the revelation of this verse is the incident that took place in the third year of the Hijrah, or perhaps in, uh, towards the very early of the uh, to the very early part of the Medinan period, and that is that the Prophet ﷺ sent out a companion upon an expedition by the name of Abdullah ibn Jahsh, and this incident is known as the expedition of Abdullah ibn Jahsh because he was the leader of the expedition radiallahu anhu. And the Prophet ﷺ sent with him a small group of companions. It is said that they were eight or so in number. And the Prophet ﷺ gave to him a letter and he said to him, don't read this letter until you have traveled such and such a distance. And then read it and follow its instructions. And so after that distance or that time had elapsed, Abdullah ibn Jahsh opened that letter from the Prophet ﷺ and he realized that the Prophet ﷺ had instructed him to go to a certain place between Mecca and Taif. And so he arrived at that place with his companions, his fellow companions, and they found a trade caravan of Quraysh. A trade caravan of Quraysh was there. So now he had to make a decision, and this is in the Ashhurul Hurm. It is said that it was towards the end of the month of Rajab, which is one of the sacred months. He had to now decide what it is that he was going to do with this caravan. Either he can fight or he can leave it alone. And so he made a personal decision. He made a decision that because this is a limited opportunity and the Muslims had lost their wealth when they migrated, they were poor, they had been oppressed and so on, that he would take what he could. So he ended up killing one of those people, one of the people of Quraysh, and taking a couple of them as prisoners of war, and taking some of their wealth and coming back to the Prophet ﷺ. When the Prophet ﷺ realized what he had done, he said to him, that I didn't command you to fight in the sacred months. Meaning, I didn't say to him in the letter that you had to go and fight, I just told you to go to such and such a place. The companion made a decision. He made what we call in Islam ijtihad. He made a decision based upon his knowledge. The Prophet ﷺ didn't sanction it or agree with it or instruct him to do so. He made an error on his own part. But the one who makes an error, which is a genuine error, that person Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because then the Quraysh would say, look at these Muslims. Look at Muhammad ﷺ. Look at these Muslims that they're willing to break the sanctity of something which all of the Arabs accepted and that is the sanctity of these sacred months. And that is what Allah says in this verse when they ask you concerning fighting in this time, It is something which is major. It is a great offense because the sacred months are sacred in Islam just as they were sacred amongst the Arabs before Islam. And so Allah says, yes, there is sacred. Lakin, but however, وَصَدٌ عَن سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَكُفْرٌ بِهِ وَالْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَإِخْرَاجُ أَهْلِهِ مِنْهُ أَكْبَرُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَالْفِتْنَةُ أَكْبَرُ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ But to bar others from Allah's path, to disbelieve in Him, to prevent access to Al-Masjid Al-Haram, to expel its people, are greater offenses in the sight of Allah, in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jal. And persecution is worse than killing. Yes, you're complaining about this one incident, not something which the Prophet ﷺ did with the whole army. It was one companion with a few of his, his fellow companions who went and they made a genuine error and mistake because they didn't realize. They had a decision to make and they made a decision. And yes, it was perhaps something which they shouldn't have done. However, Allah Azza wa Jal says, you, which, what position or in which place are you to complain about this when what you do is far great, far greater and far worse than this? Allah Azza wa Jal says that you are people who 
Stop others from believing in Allah. Prevent people from the path of Allah believing in Him. You yourselves disbelieve in Him. You yourselves are people who prevent people from coming to the house of Allah to worship in Mecca because they prevented the Prophet and the companions from coming back to Mecca. There's war and enmity between them. And you expel the very people of Mecca from it, such as the Prophet and other muhajireen amongst the companions. Causing persecution is worse than a simple or a single murder. A single killing is less than causing rampant persecution amongst a whole group of people. And that is why in our religion we understand, therefore, that fitna, trial, tribulation, causing widespread evil and so on, these are more dangerous than even one act of murder because the impact of that is far greater upon society at large. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, continuing this, that the reality therefore of the Quraysh is, وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ حَتَّى يَرُدُّوكُمْ عَن دِينِكُمْ إِنِ اسْتَطَاعُوا They will not stop fighting you. They will not stop fighting you until they can make you revoke your faith if they can. Make you uh, turn away from your religion, apostate from your religion if they can. Meaning that they don't care about these rules. They're not people who worship Allah. They use them as means of propaganda and they use them as ways of trying to overcome Islam and the Muslims. But they will continue to fight you and break the laws of Allah and everything that is considered to be sacred until you turn away from your religion. And so they have double standards. Just as we see in our time today that people will extol certain standards as being the standards that people should adhere to and they'll go and they'll do the same thing themselves. They'll tell people to respect their laws and whatever and their culture and, and whatever and then they'll go and they'll disrespect the laws and cultures of others. Allah Azza wa continues and He says, وَمَن يَرْتَدِدْ مِنْكُمْ عَنْ دِينِهِ فَيَمُتْ وَهُوَ كَافِرٌ فَأُولَئِكَ حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَأُولَئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And if you do revoke your faith, apostate from your religion, and die upon that as disbelievers, then your deeds will come to nothing in this world. And in the hereafter, and you will be from the people of the fire therein to remain. Allah says, be careful. Because these people in all of their tactics and all of their persecution that they're using amongst you, the Muslims, O Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, O companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, be careful. Because all they want you to do is apostate from your religion. All they want you to do is turn away from Islam and from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And beware, because if you do so, and you die upon that disbelief, then all of your actions are null and void. As the Prophet ﷺ was told himself, Allah says, directly addressing the Prophet ﷺ to show the danger of shirk and the danger of disbelief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ Even if you, O Messenger of Allah وسلم, were to make shirk with Allah, even your deeds would be rendered null and void. It would count for nothing. وَلَتَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ And you would be from the losers. To show the severity of shirk and its dangers. And so Allah is saying here, likewise for the believers, that anyone who turns away from their religion dies upon that, they die upon disbelief. So all of the good that they did in Islam, all of the acts of worship that they had, all of the sadaqah and salah and fasting, whatever other good deeds, recitation of the Qur'an that they had, they will count for nothing. Because therefore we understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the most important things, is what we die upon, what we call the khawatim, what your end is upon. And that is why the Muslim asks for what we call husnul khatima. We ask Allah Azza wa Jalla for a good ending. 
because it is what you die upon that ultimately will be held to account for. A person can have a whole life of belief, but if they die upon disbelief, it doesn't count for anything. And a person can have a whole life of disbelief, but if they die upon iman and belief, then all of that is expiated and turned away, uh, taken away from them as well. And so that is why it is important. That is why when a person passes away from the du'as that we make in the janazah, prayers that we ask Allah Azza wa that He gives us life upon Islam and that He gives us death upon Iman. Because we know that it is the ending moment, the ending moment that is extremely important. And that is why the Prophet used to encourage the person at the time of death and he would encourage those around him that he should encourage the person on their deathbed to say, La ilaha illallah. Because whoever dies upon La ilaha illallah will eventually enter into Jannah. They must enter into Jannah, whether immediately or whether Allah Azza wa chooses to punish them for a certain amount of time and then enters them into Jannah after they have their sins have been cleansed. Eventually they enter into Jannah. And so the one who dies upon kufr, Allah says, their actions are rendered null and void in this life and the next, meaning they have no benefits in this life of iman, nor will they have the reward of the next life, and they will be from the people of the fire, and they will remain therein forever. In verse 218, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gives us the opposite of this, as Allah azza wa jalla often does that when he mentions punishment and disbelief, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often mentions iman and belief. In verse 218, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا وَجَاهَدُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أُولَٰئِكَ يَرْجُونَ رَحْمَةَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ But those who have believed, migrated, strive, striven for Allah's cause, it is they who can look forward to Allah's mercy, and indeed Allah is after forgiving and most merciful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this beautiful verse, He mentions three attributes, three characteristics or three criteria in order to attain the mercy of Allah and His forgiveness. Number one is that they are people of Iman, people who believe in Allah, believe in the Prophet, believe in the Book of Allah, in the Quran. They are people of Iman, which shows to you, therefore, the importance of working on your faith, learning about your aqidah and your belief system. How many times so far, which still relatively towards the beginning of the Quran, how many verses have we come across that Allah Azza wa says, those who believe, O you who believe, the people of Iman. And Allah Azza wa keeps using this word of Iman and belief to show that you must understand your belief. It is so important and integral. And one of the failings as Muslims that we have in our time today is that we are very negligent of aspects of aqidah and belief. We'll focus, for example, on fiqh and rulings and how to pray and do certain other things and maybe even character and attributes and etiquette and so on. But when it comes to what is the crux, the foundation, the very basis of our faith, we're very ignorant concerning it. We don't know the rights of Allah Azza wa We don't know the pillars of Iman. We don't know what it means, each and every single one of those pillars of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't know how to understand the names and attributes of Allah Azza wa We have a level of ignorance when it comes to what is the most important foundation of our religion. So learn about your Iman. Be people who have true, solid faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا And those who migrate. Whether it's a physical migration as in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, or the migration from sin and from evil and from disobedience towards what is good and what is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The, the migration of sin is 
important for the believer. So if you're not going to be able to physically migrate, meaning that you can't go from a non-Muslim land to a Muslim land or whatever it may be, as for example in our time when it is very difficult to do so on a permanent basis, unless you go back for those who can go back to their homelands and it's safe to do so, maybe for them. But for other people, it's not necessarily the case. But for everyone, there is a type of hijrah and migration that they can perform. And that is the hijrah from sinning against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and turning to Allah azza wa jal's worship. And they strive, the third criteria, they strive in Allah's, in Allah's cause. They strive for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether that is the physical jihad when it meets its criteria under the Muslim rulers and so on and so forth, or whether it is you striving against your own temptations. As we've mentioned in the, in the last couple of episodes and these previous verses, that a lot of iman is about striving against your temptations and the whisperings of shaitan and the temptations of the dunya. That type of striving against sin, against shaitan, against the temptations of the dunya, that is also from the jihad. The jihad of seeking knowledge, the jihad of, tempta- of, of striving against your temptations, the jihad of staying away from sin and from that which is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those people who do these three, iman, migration, striving for Allah's cause, they are the ones who can look forward to Allah's mercy and indeed Allah is of forgiving most merciful. <coughs> Allah Azza wa Jal in the final verse that we will take today, 219, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions another example of striving and leaving off temptations. And that is in the format of a question that was asked to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah Azza wa Jal says, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ They ask you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, about intoxicants and gambling. قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَنَافِعُ لِلنَّاسِ وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِن نَفْعِهِمَا Say to them that there is great sin in both and some benefit for people. But the sin is greater than the benefit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us here that people are asking these questions because it was prevalent in the society of Quraysh and the Arabs in general to gamble and to drink intoxicants, alcohol and so on. So the question came, O Messenger of Allah, what should we do with regards to this? Allah Azza wa says, say to them, and Allah begins with the negative element which is the greater component of these two things. And that is that there is sin within it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says elsewhere in the Quran in Surah Al-An'am that Allah Azza wa has made this haram. Why? Because it is from rijsum min amal shaytan It is from the handiworks of shaytan. So Allah Azza wa tells us to stay away from it. And Allah then says subhanahu wa ta'ala that shaytan uses this in order to bring about hatred and enmity amongst the people and to, to take people away from the worship of Allah Azza wa Because someone who's intoxicated, as we know, doesn't really understand what they're doing. So they're going to harm others. They're going to swear at others. They're going to cause a nuisance to others. They're going to take away from other people's rights. They're going to cause harm. And they're going to stop worshiping Allah Azza wa because someone who's drunk and intoxicated isn't going to be praying, isn't going to be reciting Quran. And if they do, most likely they will end up disrespecting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those acts of worship. And likewise, gambling, which causes so much enmity and problem when people take the money of others and people win things from others. And so that causes enmity amongst people in their community. So Allah Azza wa Jal says that there is a great deal of evil and harm in it. And yes, there may be some benefit. In certain aspects, we know that alcohol has certain benefits. We know, for example, for the person who wins certain things in gambling, maybe there is some level of benefit for them in it. However, وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِنْ نَفْعِهِمَا But the evil is greater than the benefit, so Allah made them haram. 
And this is from the stages in which alcohol and gambling were made haram. Because at the beginning, because it was so prevalent amongst the society, Allah just told the people that they should stay away, advise them. Stay away from it because the harm is greater than the benefit. And the one therefore who's intelligent, who's smart, who wants to attain what Allah is pleased with, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them that there is more harm in this than good. So the intelligent person knows therefore that I would stay away from something which is more detrimental than it is beneficial. And then Allah will later give another stage of making it haram and that is don't drink alcohol at the time of prayer. So five times a day and evening, a night, Stay away from alcohol because you can't pray in the state of intoxication. And then eventually, as we know, Allah Azzawajal made it outright haram that it is not allowed to gamble, nor is it allowed to assume, consume intoxicants. But look at this principle in the Sharia, therefore, that if you have something before you and the harm in it is greater than the benefit, because not everything is pure good or pure evil. If there is more harm than benefit, then it is not allowed. And if there is more benefit than harm, then generally speaking, the Sharia allows it. And that is how the Sharia works. He looks at in terms of benefits and in terms of harm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, and from the questions that they asked, the Prophet sallallahu They say, or they ask you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what they should spend, what they should give. This is similar to the verse that we, we covered in the, last, uh, in, the, in the last episode. And that is when the same question is asked. And on that occasion, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the type of people that should be given, the type of people that should be supported. Here Allah azza wa responds and He says, give what you can. And from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His mercy is that Allah azza wa did not give specific quantities. Because not every person can afford that amount. Even in zakah, Allah azza wa has given a percentage in, in terms of our cash and our wealth. Give 2.5%. That 2.5% therefore is dependent upon what you earn. My 2.5% and my earnings will be different to someone else's who's poorer, someone else's who is richer. Likewise here Allah Azza wa is saying give what you can spare in terms of your sadaqah, give what you can. Meaning that you don't have to give all of your wealth. And the Prophet Sallallahu didn't like from amongst the companions in general that they should give all of their wealth away. Because you have responsibilities, you have family, you have chores, you have so many other things that you need to be able to use that money for. Keep that money. Rather than giving it away and causing your family to become destitute and poor, that now they must go and beg from other people and ask other people for financial help. Give what you can for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qul al-afu. Give what you can. And that is, in, again, as we said, in monetary form and also in terms of services, in terms of advice and so on. Likewise, Allah Azzawajal says, does he make his messages clear? for those people who understand, for those people who reflect. And then at the beginning, because it is connected to this verse, at the beginning of the next page in verse 220, Allah Azza says, for those people who think about this life and the next. They think about what is beneficial in the dunya and what is beneficial for them in the akhirah and yawm al-qiyamah. And so we have the end of the verse and the next part of the beginning of the verse, verse 220 is also connected to this. And therefore it shows that the believer is someone who focuses on both aspects. The believer isn't a monk who doesn't do anything in the dunya, doesn't have any part of this world, just, just stays in a monastery or stays in their home and closes the doors and shuns the outside world. But at the same time, the Muslim is not the one who becomes so engrossed in the dunya that they have no care or thought for the akhirah. They think about that which is beneficial in terms of their dunya, in terms of the akhirah, doing so 
in the manner that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using the laws and commandments of Allah azza wa jal and that is the path to success may Allah azza wa jal grant each and every single one of us that success in this life and the next barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Bismillahirrahmanirrahim